This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Blessed to have you along, and hope you're enjoying the summer months, and I always love this time of the year, and of course, I live in a place where it's summer year-round, so, you know, I get to enjoy a little more. Um, so let's get into a few news articles that just came out literally in the last few days. Fifty police officers resigned from the Portland Portland Police Department. They resigned. They were in the Rapid Response Unit, and they did this as protests for all the flack they're getting, basically for being— police officers and and holding the law and they've been receiving threats and they just said, hey, this is enough. You, you really don't want law and order and we're not going to keep putting ourselves and our families' lives on the line. So we quit. And this was um, tragic. And it makes me sick to see this because once you lose law and order, then society is just going to keep crumbling. And we saw this last year when they were burning down the buildings, and there was basically anarchy. And then we saw it again January 6th when the Capitol was breached. And so the the risk and the danger of lawlessness continues to – Satan continues to take ground in this area and, and take down the authority. And then another article uh, comes out, millions are going to be at risk soon when the COVID – Relief bill for those who are renters expires. One article I saw said that as many as 8 million people could be at risk of homelessness. And so if this doesn't resolve in a good way, you can have even more of a risk for more social unrest. And then just this morning, uh, I saw a survey that said that 25% of Christians are not in a hurry to go back to church. They're just kind of laying back in the weeds and... Most churches in most states are going full force, but that's a pretty massive <laughs> massive number of professing believers saying that, hey, we're not going to go back. And I think at you know, the end of 2020, I kept seeing all these posts and comments, yay, 2020 is over. But all of the underlying issues, uh, the evil and the wickedness and the depravity that have taken so much ground in our country, those have not gone away. And Satan has continued to take more ground, and so this, there must be a sense of urgency, as you've heard me say before, there must be a sense of urgency that we're losing our country and we're losing more ground, and, and we have to be houses of prayer, and we have to face these issues at where we are. So today, I have a friend of mine in studio, Joe Gall, 
And uh, Joe's a good friend of mine. I've known him for years. He's been a missionary in Guatemala and has a great story to tell. And so, Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mike. So, Joe, we're just going to jump right in. I'm just going to have you go ahead and start sharing your story. Well, that could take a while, but uh, let me just uh, give a little backdrop to my story. Is I grew up in a very, very small town in Nebraska. That's about all Nebraska has is really small towns, but uh, I graduated from high school with about 35 in my graduating class, and I graduated with pretty much the same kids I started kindergarten with. So that kind of gives you a little idea of what I grew up in. And uh, there was nothing special about me. I was just uh, a very average, painfully average person. I wasn't a great student, uh, didn't have any special talents. But one thing I did seem to have was a little bit of an ability to play football. So that was uh, really a focus of mine, and I poured my life into that. Uh, In fact, sometimes I refer to football as my first savior. Uh, It kept me out of trouble. It kept me me focused. It forced me to keep my grades up. And it was just a really good outlet for me. Now, my my story should probably stop there. But uh, for as long as I can remember, I always knew I was going to college. I don't know where that came from. Uh, My my parents have this story. I don't remember it. But uh, I think it was the first day of kindergarten for me. And I was uh, sitting on the front step of the house and uh, head in my hands, and the, my dad saw me and said, well, Joe, is there something wrong? And he said, Dad, do I have to go to college? You know, that was kind of an, an odd thing for a, a kindergartner to say at that time, but every my entire life I knew I was going to go to college. Didn't know why, didn't know what for, but that's what I was going to do. <clears throat> so I, I did go to college. I got out of that little uh, town and and uh, – and I worked really, really hard. I threw myself into my studies like I threw myself into sports before that. And uh, studies became a focus for me. I, I was in a really good fraternity. I was uh, had some really good friends around me. Uh, not a Christian, by the way. I grew up in a nominal Christian church, but um, not a was not a follower of Jesus. I, I want to put that in there. And uh, my college years were amazing. I, I love my college days. I had great experiences there. But there was also some painful things that had happened. Uh, I lost a really good friend that I was actually playing football with. And uh, he developed a lump somewhere on his body. And about five months later, he was gone. So that that really shook me up. Uh, there were a couple of nursing students that uh, had been killed in a car accident. The Cold War in those days was really heating up. And so there was some uh, uneasiness, anxiousness going on in my life and in, you know, the things around me. And uh, I started asking some really important questions in those days, like, what is this life all about? And um, kind of going through a, a, an existential process, I guess, of asking questions like, what, what is this all about? Why, what's the meaning to life? Uh, why are there so many unhappy people? If it was money, why are so many wealthy people unhappy? If it was in marriage, why are there so many divorces? Mm-hmm. If it's being single, why do so many divorced people get remarried? It's, and life just seemed to be meaningless to me. <clears throat> and so it came time for me to graduate from college, and, and that itself was kind of traumatic for me. I, like I said, I loved school. I just loved it in college, and I learned so much in those days. But I, I got a job in a local hospital there and um, was working the evening shift, and my uh, work would take me throughout the hospital, all the areas of the hospital. And there was this one nurse 
that uh, was very uh, happy and joyful and beaming and just very friendly. And every time she saw me, she'd strike up a conversation and and I'd get to talking to her. And uh, she, again, she's just very friendly. And I would start bringing up some of the things I'd been thinking about about life. You know, what's this about? What's that about? And and she always had answers from the Bible of mm-hmm. all places. I thought, the Bible? What does that have to do with anything? I think when I got confirmed, I was given a Bible, but it never occurred to me I was maybe supposed to read that. And so um, she would answer my questions. It wasn't her ideas or what she thought or what somebody else had said, but she was giving me scripture. And she'd always say something that got me thinking about more questions. But the other thing she'd do is she'd always get a little too personal and start talking to me about my need for Jesus or to have a personal relationship with Christ. And and that was enough. And I'd find a reason to leave and I would leave. But again, I'd always come back with more questions and she always had more answers from the Bible. So she was a Bible banger. And uh, so I was kind of keeping an eye on that and wasn't quite sure what to do with that. And one day she invited me to go to church with her. And I thought, no, you know, I, in my context, whenever a guy went to church with a girl, that meant they were thinking about getting married and they were checking out churches. And that, that that's not what I was going to do. <laughs> and not that we were at that point anyway, but that was my context. That was where I came from. And, uh, but I did say yes for reasons only God knows. I did say yes, and I decided to go to church with her. And I heard a gospel message uh, for the first time. I just heard the scripture laid out like I'd never heard it laid out before. And uh, um, I went home that day, and a Sunday afternoon, I read through the gospel of John, and there were Bible, uh, Bible verses just popping off the page at me. And it's like, uh, if you abide in me and, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Um, you know, verses like that was just coming off the page at me. And I felt in that moment, I could ask God for anything, and he would have given it to me. But what I said is, I, I want what Karen has. And that's when I gave my life to Christ then at that point. And that changed everything. Um, again, I'm I'm just as common as dirt, um, nothing special about me, but that changed my life radically. I went directions I never thought I would, would go be, uh, uh, from there. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, mentioned before that the first year of my Christian life was uh, very instrumental, very foundational in my spiritual development because I, I, I worked an evening shift. I uh, lived on a, a ca- in a cabin next to a lake, beautiful place, but it was also very isolated and very lonely. And all I had was my Bible, uh, Christian radio. There's a plug for Christian radio. <laughs> And and the Holy Spirit, uh, and so it, it was just I, it was nothing for me in those days to spend two or more hours alone with God in mm-hmm. in prayer and Bible reading. So very foundational, and I, I think in those days that the Lord just flushed out a lot of things in my in my mind and in my thinking, and, and things that I valued, and He was giving me new values. He was uh, transforming my mind in those days. <clears throat> and then uh, after that, I, I did eventually get plugged into a, a local church nearby. It took me a while to get there, but um, it uh, eventually happened. And I had a, 
a fiery little preacher in those days. He was uh, very faithful, very uh, – he was an evangelist. He loved to preach. He loved to to teach the Word of God. And I approached him about if he'd disciple me. And he was he was just too busy to do that. He was uh, he didn't have time to sit down with a young guy who was hungry to learn and to grow. So I thought, okay, well, if he's too busy, I'm going to go find somebody who can help me out here. And so in those days, I found the what's known as the Navigators, and the Navigators picked me up for about two three years and got me grounded in the Scripture, got me medit- uh, memorizing and meditating on Scripture. In fact, the one guy had me leading discipleship groups before I was – I thought, man, I need to be discipled. But in the discipling of others, that's that was my discipleship. I was being discipled as I discipled others. And and God was doing amazing things in a, just a small band of us. There's probably, you know, maybe a half, about a dozen of us, maybe 15 of us in those days, uh, 20-somethings. And we'd come together for uh, Bible study and prayer and – uh, a friend of mine and I, we even started what was called, we call it the Acts 1-8 prayer meetings. And so we would gather pretty much the same people and we would uh, pray for our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the world. And and those were just really powerful times in, in my uh, Christian life and my development. <clears throat> and so uh, uh, about six years of that, uh, and growing like that, and it's just some wonderful experiences. Uh, I was plugged into prayer meetings. Uh, I went to church whenever I could and as often as I could. But I also listened to a lot of uh, Christian programming on the radio, lots of uh, 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 radio preachers, and, and just soaking up everything I could. And it was really changing my life. And I, I even felt God was calling me into the ministry. Again, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that felt like I remember one question was, do I want to go get trained and become a professional Christian? <laughs> that was uh that was a big question I had to get over. It's like I, I was having a fruitful ministry that I was loving just as a layperson. I was involved in people's lives. Uh people's lives around me were were changing. People were coming to Christ. Um <clears throat> seeing some answers to prayer and it, it was an exciting time and but I remember do I go to seminary or don't I? It's, I was just going back and forth, and I came to the point where I felt like if I don't do this, I'm going to shrivel up and I'm going to die. And that's probably was my motivation. I thought, well, okay, I'm off the fence. I'm going to go become this professional Christian now. <laughs> and from there, and, and seminary was uh, an amazing time too. <clears throat> Again, I just love the the learning experience, but uh, in one sweep. I, I, I complicated my life and I complicated my, my faith. Uh, seminary certainly complicated my belief system, my understanding of Scripture, because now I'm faced with, okay, I, here's a portion of Scripture. This commentator says this, and that one says that. They both make perfect sense, but they don't agree with each other. So what do I believe? And so I had to do a lot of sifting, like, what do I believe? Um, and why do I believe it? <clears throat> so I think, if anything, seminary really helped me think, learn how to think. Uh, there's a lot of information out there, but it doesn't mean it's all right or true or proper or or helpful. So I just had to really give myself to the study of Scripture and understand w- what it was saying to me. 
and how I understood it to be. And of course, taking these commentators into uh, into account, but but they did, again, they didn't always agree. And but they made sense to me. But what do I believe? And then I complicated my life by getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd gone out to seminary. This was on the East Coast in New York, and I went out with a everything I could cram into my little car, and I moved back to Colorado with a, a I think it was a twenty foot truck, or maybe it was even a twenty four foot foot moving van loaded with my wife and everything she owned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, an amazing time. So we did church planning in Colorado for about another six years. And um, we we were actually part of two church plants in Colorado. And they, they were uh, difficult times, too. It's, it's not easy to start a church. It's uh, It can be difficult. But some amazing experiences came out of that, too. And I didn't mention early on as a young Christian, I, I felt called to missions. Uh, I felt like God wanted me to be a missionary. So, But the track I was taking in seminary was actually for North American ministry, for church ministry. So I have a, a MDiv, Masters of Divinity, in North American studies. I think I, had a, I minored in something like uh, Christian education, something like that. And... Um, so we went out to do church planning in Colorado again, and uh, we had three daughters born to us during that time. Um, but then about six years into that, God resurfaced the whole missions thing. And so that's when we contacted a mission board out of uh, uh, Colorado Springs. It's now called One Challenge. It used to be called Overseas Crusades. And we ended up doing 10 years in, in Guatemala with them. And uh, yeah, that was I could write books on Guatemala. That I'll forever be grateful for what for what God taught me in, in Guatemala. That was a, a life change. I learned lessons there that I would never learn anyplace else. Yeah, such as well, I think when you're you, you grow up in a context, and in, in my case, a North American context. You know, this is what church looks like. This is what Christianity looks like. This is our faith and our values as we see it and as we understand it. And this is how we understand Scripture, largely looking through the lens of culture. Well, when we get to Central America, they have a different worldview. They have a different history, a different context. And they're starting, they're, they see Scripture slightly different than we do. The truth is still the truth, and it's still there. But uh, and I think one of the first times I re- first things I realized was a lot of our faith is really cultural. Uh, it's you know a lot of it's maybe based on the f- uh, not so much the forms of the church but the functions of the church. You know the forms would be you know we're to teach the word, uh, we're to baptize, we're to take part in the the um, the Lord's supper, uh, things like that. Those would be forms. The functions are how we do those things. You know, how do we baptize? How do we do the Lord's Supper? How do we do the teaching? Uh, how do we do worship? And so you get to Latin America, and, and some of those things take on a different shape and a different look. But uh, so I think that's one of the first things I learned was how culture, how much culture plays into how we believe and how we how we see and view Scripture, but also. Largely, those people that we were working with were animistic, and so very spiritual. <clears throat> uh, for us, 
Yeah, we, there's maybe a spirit out there. We're not really sure. There is this thing called the Holy Spirit, but we don't really know who that is or what he does. And I'm speaking in general terms for you know the, the church, for Christians. But uh, they, those people, they could, they could teach me about the spiritual realm. They knew very well what the spiritual realm was about, and, and a lot of it was satanic, to be quite honest. It was um, wrapped around shamanism, uh, around um, uh, witch doctors, if, even Christians. We knew pastors. If uh, someone in the family got sick, they didn't go to the doctor. They went to the witch doctor. Mm. These were Christians. Um, Christians messed around with the demonic realm? Well, they're surrounded by this. There's a syncretism, and we have a syncretism here too. It's just called secular humanism. Mm. And the syncretism they had there, it's more of a, it's an animistic worldview that they have. So they're they're surrounded with this. And so, to be honest, uh, evangelism was quite easy down there. You present the gospel, oh yeah, I, I want this Jesus. I'm going to put him up here on the shelf with uh, your saints and and all these spirits because I don't want to offend anybody and I want I'm looking for power, I'm looking for influence, I'm looking for uh, freedom from the things that en- enslave me and entrap me. So there's this mixture of religious belief systems and it's uh, I'll, I'll give you one quick story. So we have a secular uh, humanistic worldview, scientific, and uh, one time a uh, mudslides hit and it wiped out about a thousand people and amongst those that were killed were there was a a a well-known witch doctor and his family they were also killed and by this time i had connected a few dots and was figuring a few things out and i happened to know the night watchman in this area and i said so his name was juan so juan tell me um what did the people out here say happened was was uh the Mayan spirits responsible for this mudslide was uh, Jehovah or, or God responsible for this, or is it because of this hurricane out in the Pacific Ocean? Too much rain, the the Earth couldn't hold it, the, the, so the uh, volcano gave way and wiped out these people. And he said, "Well, most people would tell you that God was responsible for it. You know, they tend to have a spiritual explanation for whatever happens." We, I saw that in other ways and things too that. Something physical was going on. Well, there was a spiritual explanation for that. And so those were a couple of things that uh, really stood out to me. And But, you know, the Word of God is still the Word of God. The power of Christ is still the power of Christ. Um, the Holy Spirit, His work is, is vital in, in our lives and in their lives. And He knows what He wants to accomplish in His church. And... I think to you know one of the things we try to do with the the people in Guatemala is get into the Word of God. They already knew how to pray. It's just like they could teach us again about prayer, but they seem to be quite lacking when it came to scripture understanding and knowledge and what did the Bible actually teach. Mm. That almost sounds like the opposite of the American church. Well, in some ways, yeah. So what I see here oftentimes is there's a. Um, we're really good and strong on exegesis and on scripture and teaching of scripture, but prayer is something we kind of tack on at the end or maybe at the beginning. And I really think that if I had one thing I would love to pass on to all Christians everywhere is that, that daily quiet time. Get alone, 
It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a lot. Just just to pray, meditate, think on Scripture, let the Word of God soak into your mind. That's one of the things I would – I wish I could get all Christians to do that on a daily basis. <clears throat> well, we got about a minute left, and um, I'm just curious. You said you grew up in a nominal church. What, what, is that, what did that mean? Uh, very liberal. There was uh, – you had to really look for the gospel, look for the truth. It was buried in there. I, I, uh, I, afterwards, I'd come back to my home church, and I would – and I, I did see the gospel in there, but there was just no real foundational Bible teaching. There was Bible stories, but nothing transformational that I ever felt that I was taught in that context. Um, so good, moral, hardworking – Strong work ethic people, but um, but um, somehow the word of God didn't uh, really translate. Thank you for joining us, and uh, next week we will continue our conversation with Joe. And uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.